0: Thanks a lot. There's part of my bio that sounds really depressing. I realised at one point, I was like, God, he sounds a bit depressing and gloomy. Um, so hopefully that's not the case, um, but we'll find out. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I'm not going to tell you, normally you're meant to stand up and tell people who you are. Um, so I've been, you've, you've done that bit, thank you. Um, um, the, my Twitter is, is there if anyone's online and wants to have a look and tweet me and I'll retweet you and things like that. Um, I think the first thing I need to start by saying is I am not representative of the LGBT plus community, because I don't think one person can do four letters and a plus at the end. Um, so what I've done is asked a few friends of mine and, and people I know to tell me what it means to them to be either L or, or B or T, um, and I'm going to weave that in as, as we go along. So there's a couple of other people who've contributed. It's, it's not just me, because I think it's quite a big responsibility. Um for one person to say, well, what does it mean to be LGBT plus today? There were other titles I was playing with what does it what does pride mean um today what what does what does life mean today but um I didn't do that one um I, I think this is really important because I think a lot of people um and my background is marketing and comms um, put LGBT into one place. So we have LGBT History Month, much like we have Black History Month. And that's one thing, like that's over there. So I'm hoping today I can kind of unpick that a little bit um, and tell you uh, what it means through, through three things. Um... I wouldn't be a communicator if there wasn't three things that had some kind of alliteration. (laughs) I'm going to tell you three things today. um, And I'll go through, uh, you know, I'll round it up as we get to the end. But they all start with P. So hopefully you can remember uh, what what they are. So, what does it mean to be LGBT plus today? The first P presence. Um, So, I think being LGBT plus today through things like having the rainbow flag, um, there was one uh, just outside, there's one on the building. I think presence is a huge, huge, huge thing for what it means to be LGBT today. I think most people, um, if they are from uh, in, within that community, wonder, where are people like me? Um, and how do I find people who get what I'm going through? And I think that's something I had um, growing up, I still have it today. Uh, I had a Twitter debate with someone last weekend. uh, (laughs) And she said to me, Asad, not everyone walks around with a mirror in front of them. And I went, well, actually, um, if you're in the closet and you spent a long time growing up, you sometimes (laughs) do do that. Um, because you're wondering what do people think about me and how, am I safe in this environment and do people uh, accept me for who I am and I think what's so interesting for me was um, when I when I stand up I'm very aware that I am an Asian man uh, but I sound like this and I dress like this and I talk the way I do um, and then when I go to India people look at me and think you're an Indian man um, but actually I'm, I'm not. Um, I'm a British Indian man, so I think presence is really important for what it means to be LGBT+ today. Because um, you you just become very aware, you're hypersensitive, I think, to to how you walk into rooms, and and that's definitely my felt experience. Um, I've been to a few training um, sessions where I've heard from other LGBT people who said it's exactly the same thing, um, and that's the individual experience. Um, this was uh, from Polly who's the Director of um, Strategic Partnerships at Pride in London. She's a, a lesbian woman. She came out kind of later in life. Um, she said, there's still an issue with visibility. Uh, when I talk to lesbians who were out years ago, in particular in on, uh, 1967, they talk about feeling invisible. Um, now it's a lot better than it used to be, um, but it's a challenge. A lot, of chal- a lot of events are focused on gay men, and women are an afterthought. Um, and I think that's c- quite fair. We were at an event last week Um, And it was an LGBT event uh, and the the people who were asking questions were predominantly men, even though women were putting their hands up. And it was one of those things where actually it took someone in the audience to go, why don't you ask a woman the question? And so even though, and I'm going to come back to this later, but even though LGBT can often be inferred to be very diverse, and it's not always the most inclusive place, uh, and I think that's something we have to be really mindful of um, when you try to bucket people into one room, but then actually realize there's so much difference and so much diversity within that group. Um, this is a point uh, to make Polly's point, which is, does it matter that the nightlife for queer women in London is kind of dead? Uh, and this was uh, about a year ago in, on Vice. Um, there's only two, two lesbian bars in London, which I think is absolutely shocking. Um, there's a bigger fabric, so back to the question, what does it mean to be LGBT plus today? It means finding a space. And more and more, those spaces are going online, or um, uh, all, all those spaces just don't exist. And I think there's a big, a big danger of those spaces just existing online. Um, for me, I think, I, I see the, uh, I hate to say it, I see the younger generation, but I see, uh, <laughs> I see younger people. I was just crossing the road this morning and there were two um, girls in school uniform. One was like obviously sending a WhatsApp voice message and the other one was on the phone. I was like, that's amazing, but also quite worrying because where are you talking to people face to face? Where are you building up empathy and compassion? Uh, and back to that point of, if, if I'm thinking growing up for me, I walked into every room and thought, God, how am I being seen? <laughs> If you're going online and thinking, God, how am I being seen online? That can be quite a scary thing for people. Um, and I think what it means to be LGBT plus today is actually to try and eke out these sorts of spaces because that's the best way to become visible. Yes, you can do it online, but I don't think that's, that's the only point. And I could spend a whole, that's a whole different chapter on the online, you know, should you live your life that way? And I'd love to do that at a separate point, probably not one for LGBT History Month. Um, but I think we have to look at what are the spaces that LGBT people have? Because as much as society is becoming more inclusive, there is something about this community or the, the, that is really nice and tight-knit. Um, and having the right places like this uh, are really important. Um, I wrote this um, 2015, wow, Th- two and a half years ago. Um, can a Muslim be gay? Um, answer, yes, exhibit A. <laughs> um, but. Uh, Why did I write this? So um, when I was um, at university, I went and did a year abroad um, and I went and worked for the Financial Times, Deutschland. And there uh, I spoke German. So again, being a British Indian man in Germany was quite fun to challenge people's perceptions. But I was there and recording podcasts and I thought, God, I really want to be a writer. That's exactly what I want to do. And then I realized uh, 2010, financial crisis, don't do that. Um, And also uh, part of my cultural upbringing is, you know, you work for money, you become a doctor, a lawyer, or a dentist. Um, So I thought writer doesn't fit any of those three. Um, But I thought, maybe I'll go and work in PR and work in comms. Um, And I did that and I still do that, um, where I work with companies and big businesses on how they position themselves, which is hugely fascinating. Um, But I think in about 2012, I had an itch. And that itch came from not seeing uh, Asians uh, and Indians and Muslims in particular in the media. And the only way I saw them were with the words Islamophobic, terrorist. Um, I thought, that's not cool. Um, I should change that. So I wrote to the Huffington Post and said, can I write about channel four? They'd put the call to prayer on channel four at like three in the morning. And I was like, wow, the only place I've seen um, the call to prayer is like on this tiny satellite TV channel, so this is cool, I should write about it. And the post said, yeah, cool, um, write your column. And I was writing things and that built up a slow profile. Um, and the one thing I wasn't writing about was the, the word at the end there, I wasn't writing about being gay because I wasn't really out. Um, I was with someone at the time and he said, you should probably write about the gay thing because people will be really interested in that. And I said, I should probably tell my mum first. <laughs> 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 So um, so we, we had that debate, and then um, that, that relationship ended. but I thought <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought, well, um, I should write something about this because um, back to that point of presence, I felt like I didn't have a presence um, in the media, and that was quite scary because in that year, the only two stories I saw about being gay and Muslim, if you type those words in were um, a, a person who uh, had had th- um, been outed to their family, and then had uh, jumped off, and and sadly had killed themselves. And I thought, wow, how does that happen? And it happened in like a salubrious suburb of Northwest London. And I thought, that's 2014, 15. Like, come on, that doesn't. That shouldn't happen and that's why i draw the parallels to the 1980s because i think similar things are happening and things like that happen in other countries but this is britain like how can that be happening um and then the other one was um, Sreen Diwani, I don't know if anyone remembers the case of Shreem um, I think in South Africa, where there were accusations that he had killed his wife because he was in the closet um, and I remember just sat there going, how is this the only thing that I'm hearing? I've got to change that. Um, so I thought, I'll, I'll, I'll write this, can a Muslim be gay? Because I need presence, we need a presence, uh, we need to be out there, we need to be visible um, and this is what, if any, this is showing my age, this is what I used to ask Jeeves when I grew up. Um, <laughs> Ask Jeeves, for people who don't know, was a search engine, and you would ask questions to Jeeves, this uh, technology butler. Um, so I used to, d- I did that. And um, why that then was uh, important was I then got lots of phone calls from other people who said, God, I never knew that was possible, and I have been waiting for something like this. And there was someone who had contacted me and said... Um, he was in his 50s still, in his, he's in his 50s, he's in his 50s, he said, I've been in the closet for all my life, I've got two kids, I've just got divorced, This is. I know why I've got divorced, and I thought, wow, like, these are conversations that are not happening because it's so difficult to go back into the Asian community and have that conversation because we've not had a Tom Daly moment, I call it, <laughs> um, we've, and we'll, Come on, to Tom Daly. Um, but uh, we've not had that moment within the, within the Muslim community. So for me, being LGBT today is about being present, um, not just about being present in a room and looking around you, but being present so that other people can see you and acting as a, a bit of a role model to others. To say you we you know we are here. There are um, gay Muslims out there. Not just because the media find that interesting and I find that interesting from a personal point of view but also because you build a community out of that. I'm now part of the board of Iman which is a group of LGBT uh, Muslims and it's amazing what they can do. Like every year at Pride, like they are the show-stopping um, parade group because they, I remember turning... Cor- I, we turned a corner I was like, yeah, we're turning a corner on a placard, quite literally with a placard and um, a woman said, God, I can't believe you exist. And I was like... <laughs> <laughs> cool, <laughs> uh, carry on and she meant it in a way of like, God you just have to be present and you've got to think even though there are all the haters, haters are going to hate like, you've got to be present um, and that's what for me being LGBT plus is about, that's why things like LGBT History Month are so important, because yes it's once a year and the rainbow flag's out there but it's present, it, you know, people are talking about it, and if they're not talking about it then there's no progress, so that's the first P, presence uh, second P is is protest, so What does it mean to be LGBT plus today? It means a form of protest. Now, bear with me. Um, This was uh, from um, Jackie Gavin, who um, is a a trans activist. And, And she said, being able to be myself in a world where there is much more of an acceptance than I ever thought there would be, that to me comes from the world of protest because people before have protested for someone like Jackie to, to be out and, and be open and be public about it. Um, and a lot of people think of protests like this. Um, they think a protest is, uh, you know, a cardboard box and writing on it. And that is protest. That is absolutely a form of protest. And um, I think we would all be kidding ourselves if we didn't think that was. But for me, I think protest today is taking a new form. And if you think about my personal journey of why I work now for a corporate company versus you know, writing in the financial situation, I think protest starts to look like this. Um, so this is Pride a couple of years ago, I think, and it's um, it's Barclays, they, they sponsored Pride, um, and they had a bus, and it was like freedom to make a statement. And lots of people look at this and say, well, actually, this is very corporate, and being corporate and being LGBT, two different things, because the corporate holds um, the, the, the people down, the community down, but actually, The LGBT communities within some of these big corporate companies are life changing entities because um, a lot of people after university go back into the closet because you step out of this lovely liberal world where every day you're testing ideas and you're thinking about yourself. to then stepping into an environment full of profit margins and trying to make a living that that doesn't have that space. And for me, this is what being LGBT plus today means. It means being out at work. I think that's huge progress um for a lot of people not least things like a bank and some of what you might expect to be the world's most like small-minded places are actually not um the army the navy this is their 10th year marching in pride like this is amazing progress third P, I've just given you a spoiler. Um, But also this is a new form of protest to me. Um, And I think people are on the fence about whether it is, but I personally do believe it is because I've been through the process. I think being part of the Board of Pride, I see the amount of effort that goes in of people within their workplaces having those difficult conversations to say, well, why should we support this? Like, why is it important? And bosses who might be in their forties or fifties, who've never had to interact with an LGBT person saying, oh God, I didn't know. Um, And I think that that's really, really important. And um, I I, I am part of something called Pride AM, Pride in Advertising and Marketing. We we did, this was really insightful. We did a challenge last year where we challenged brands and their agencies to recreate ads for LGBT plus audiences. Um, When you look at advertising, I remember this from about 2014, you have to be able to see it to be it. So I remember looking around at an H&M advert And I thought, God, I don't see anyone like me here. Do, that doesn't make sense. Um, And I think the same exists for the LGBT um, community. And that's why protest is so important because we have to be protesting and continually challenging um, stereotypes and continually challenging the status quo. Um, So we challenged brands and we said, look, give brands a makeover. Um, take an advert, change it. There's all sorts of legal implications of doing something like that. Um, and there's all sorts of creative challenges. But, but we did it. Um, we had a brand makeover. We had um, brand owners from Mars and Snickers come in and show us like, what it might be like if you had RuPaul in a Snickers advert. Um, you know, People nod and go, "All oh, a bit stereotypical. But it kind of works because it starts the conversation. And that's a form of protest in my mind. That's a form of protest of people sitting around a table and going, hang on a minute, where am I? Because I need to be present in this output, because this output means so much to other people. Young people look at adverts. We all look at adverts. We all look at communications and wonder this is shaping uh, who, who we are. Um, no more so important, Tom, da- Tom Daly's back. Um, no more so important than just last week. Um, there's a current tension I see within the media um, about how how things are working out. So. Centre Parks pulled their advertising in the Daily Mail because of an article, this article by um, Richard Littlejohn, who said, please don't pretend two dads is the new normal. Um, And as a result, this happened. Um, This for me is really fascinating because first of all, it makes me think about, bear with me, but it makes me think about Weimar and the Third Reich um, in Germany, because this is actually about the freedom of the press. And what this article is saying is, is the press really free to critique from the right wing? Because what they did was critique, right? They critiqued how it came out, um, they critiqued, uh, and Richard Littlejohn has a history of doing that, but to an extent where you would label it homophobia. But is that allowed within the press? Um, and I think for me, when you look at the banner of protest, there's, there's a lot of nuance here. But we have to dissect this, I think, and say, well, what does this actually mean? Um, Should the Daily Mail be known for that? Um, Should an an advertiser take their money away from uh, a publication on account of that publication's right to write what they want and critique? Um, And what I'm learning, I think, um, being an LGBT plus person working uh, in the media comes from um, an experience in a campaign that I helped work on last year um, which was HSBC uh, had ten gender-neutral titles um, and they had said if you are transitioning uh, it doesn't matter whether you are uh, MX you can change your title uh, at HSBC um, because we know we want to be there and this for me was phenomenal they uh, if you ever go on to work in PR what you do is you find a nugget of a story and you tell that story um, the best you can. And we found um, Stuart Barrett. He was an activist. He was within HSBC. He had transitioned. And he said, look, this is, why is it such a difficult process? It shouldn't be so hard. And gave that feedback to the business. They then changed their policy. We then said, let's tell that story um, because people should know about that. So the Mail Online actually ran the story and it was quite a positive piece um, about um, the gender-neutral options, obviously the comment pieces that came out were Submit2PC. I remember being in the middle of the office when um, Louise Eccles called and said, so I've just ha- I've had the press release, I want to talk to Stuart. And I was like, oh my God, like what is she going to ask him? This is suicide, like career suicide, what do you do? Um, and actually she said to me, the thing is, within the media, there's just no education of LGBT matters. Because when you really think about it, how many well-known trans journalists do you know? So where are you going to get your knowledge from? So back to that point about presence—it's you've got to be present, and then the more present you get, the more you have to protest because you've got to educate within that pro- within that level of protest. And I think for me, that was really telling. And like, I, you know. The, the conclusion of Centre Parts, where they write, Richard Little John, Tom Daly, Dustin Love's Blacklight, like, that's an ongoing debate. I'd love to have that one over a drink um, because I think it's really interesting about just what role the press is playing within the broader LGBT plus narrative and, and what it means to be uh, within the community. Um, this, uh, like a, a really proud point was then, you know, a week later, LB- uh, RBS and Lloyds uh, also... Offered the same title, so back to that point of protest. Sometimes protest doesn't need to be um, the cardboard box with with the writing on it. Sometimes there are other ways to do it. Um, and I think we really, you know, by telling that story, I still feel so proud about it. Not as proud as Stuart should, but by telling the story, you have a knock-on effect. Um, and you know, passports possibly um, becoming more more gender ne- gender neutral is it's just amazing. Um, so I think that's that's the thing about being LGBT. It's that that level of protest. Um, I think I'm quite good for time, so I'm probably going to go a little bit quicker um, than, than I thought, but it means more time for questions and more time for drinks. Um, uh, progress. So um, if you think about what it means to be LGBT plus today, does it mean progress? Um, there's a reason there's a question mark at the end, um, and I think it comes back to the point about the four letters. And a, a bi person, um, Chloe Davis, she's our. she heads up our community engagement. So her role is to go and find the communities um, who are underrepresented in pride and talk to them and say, you know, do you feel like you can protest? Do you feel like you can parade? And she said to me, uh, I said, what, is it, what, is, what does it mean to be bi? And she said, it means being judged and misunderstood. I face more discrimination from within the LGBT plus community than from outside it. Some call me greedy. Others need to label me and put me in a box haven't you, ju- you just haven't met the right man or woman yet. I'm attracted to the energy of a person. If the connection is right, then their gender doesn't matter. And this for me, like uh, this blew me away a little bit because I think it's really easy to get into stereotypes. And one of the things I've discovered um, since coming out and, and writing what I've done is the LGBT community loves a label more so than any, any community I know. Um, and those labels are really damaging. Because what they do is push people into something that they probably aren't or push people into thinking they should be something they're not, just in order to fit within that spectrum. And this quote for me really brings that to life. And I think as people who are part of the community, it's about being aware of that and about saying, well, what are we doing and do we all understand each other? And for people outside to say, well, actually, are we tarnishing everyone with the same LGBT? Like we've done it. It's tick have we really done it? Because I would actually challenge that we probably haven't. Um, Couple of examples. So um, there was a piece in Attitude, young queer people shouldn't be obliged to care about LGBT history. And that's the biggest sign of success there is. This is like, oh, it's one of those pieces where you look at it and go, what? Um, But I think it's brilliant that it's been written because it brings out a conversation that I think in today's day and age may be happening over a pint, but aren't happening publicly, which is what do younger um, people feel about the older generation? And that's why I feel like I can draw this really um, nice tangent between coming out as uh, a 20 something, now 30 something uh, year old, gay Muslim man in 2018, and actually the experience for a lot of people in the 70s and 80s, because when I talked about that example of the the balcony and the suicide, I think within the younger white British community, that would be quite unheard of, and if it happened, would be unreported. Um, But within the 60s and 70s, was probably a lot more common than we know, and it just wasn't reported because we didn't have the internet in the same way we do now. Um, So this for me is what it means to be um, LGBT today. It's about having these conversations, about who are the giants on whose shoulders we've stood we stand we now stand um, and and what did they do for us in order to get to where we are for Tom Daly, for example, to be in a position to put a picture on Instagram of an unborn child is uh, it blows my mind because you couldn 't have imagined that I think um, and so why why are we changing how we react and how we feel, and also I know from um, from going into school. So I was, I was a school role model for Stonewall. And um, <laughs> I'm going to tell this story. Uh, they, <laughs> they, they said, Asad, we want to put your face on a poster. And I was like, finally, I'm a poster boy. It's happened. <laughs> um, and the, the poster said, it had my face on it, and it said, Can a Muslim, uh, it's about being gay and Muslim, not being gay or Muslim. Oh, that was quite good just like playing with words and or all um and so they put them in schools and I thought I didn't actually think through what would happen. I just saw poster boy um, <laughs> but they put it on, on posters and um I was invited to speak at a school in West London, and um the person who'd gone in before was uh, a a British white man in his forties. I think he might have even been uh, a priest, I think. Um, he'd gone in, and I said, well, what was wrong with that? He said, well, this school, Assad, is 80% Muslim. I went, okay, because what happens is, if a, if a, if a, if a, um, and I'm going to talk in quite glib terms, so please excuse me if it sounds um, uh, offensive, it's not meant that way, which is, if a white person stands in front of a room of brown people, brown people will often go, that's their problem, that's not my problem. (laughs) Just talking quite glibly. So what happened in that room was the kids were like, being gay is not a brown problem; it is a white problem because I only see white people who are gay. And so I went. So then I the poster went out, and I was there. And you just saw the kids go, "Oh, hang on a minute!" Like he sounds a bit like me. He grew up in just down the road in Harrow. Um, this could be something and and, I, and one kid came up to me at the end and you can you, I just knew she was suffering or struggling with her um, sexuality and just came up and looked at me and went thank you so much and it was that look and that one saying where I thought she just needed to hear this um, and I feel really touched that I could help her but then there was one kid who came up to me and said um, so we saw the posters saw the poster I went home to my dad uh, I think this, um, this kid was of Iranian or Iraqi heritage and said um, so I saw the poster, for posters. my dad was actually going to uh, take me out of school today uh, he didn't want me to come to school because of this talk, I went jokes, but you could have a day off and he went, no but you know you have to come because it's school and that and I was like, cool, He's like, so I spoke to my dad and he said um, tell him at the end that he should go home and pray. Um, because maybe that will absolve it, and he'll, build, he'll be better. And I said to him, I've been doing that for a long time, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Hasn't worked. Uh, maybe you should go home and pray that your mind opens. Because if that happens, and you grow up in now a country that the fabric is changing so much, he'll be able to talk to people like, who are writing things like this and actually have a reason debate versus a them and us. Type discussion. And I think that's part of the, um, the, the, the bit about progress, which is really how much progress is there if kids and parents aren't teaching or surrounded by different views and different views that can shape what people think of the LGBT community uh, and the fabric of it. Because if people see it as Tom Daly, white gay man, yes, that's one part of it. Um, but, but, what else is it? and that back to the um, the presence bit what What are people seeing? so for me, the progress is still there there 's still a lot uh, a lot more to go, um, but I, I am quite hopeful just because we need to allow opinions like this. we have to we can 't get into the filter bubbles and our Facebook feeds like we are um, because then we won 't hear it, and this is how another viewpoint will um, w- will grow and then finally this is this is fin- finally this is the um, the article that I wrote for the, the Guardian at the end of last year: LGBT communities should be havens of tolerance. Instead, racism is rife. Um, it was. This is uh, born out of a few things, which was um, Owen Jones had written in the Guardian. Owen Jones, if people don't know, is uh, people are nodding. Um, he's very well known, um, and he wrote about racism on the scene. And I thought that's really interesting. A white man telling me about racism on the scene. <laughs> uh, can I write about it, please? And um, <laughs> and he said uh, he said yeah, sure. Um, so then I, I wrote this piece, and this actually stemmed from uh, again a story, and I'll, I'll tell you the story uh, at the end to round to finish it off. Um, <laughs> no, I won't. I won't do that because that's quite a bitter way to end it. I'll <laughs> tell you the story and then do that. Then I'll tell you what I told you a bit at the end. Um, but he, when I came out, I thought. I felt very uh, liberated. There's a moment actually when you come out and all of that stress that's living somewhere in your body just goes. It comes back because your body relapses, um, but it goes and your shoulders just go, oh, cool. Um, And then you, for me, my experience was then I stepped into I was termed the LGBT community. And I was like, well, hang on, like, where, where's, the, where's the presence? Where's the people like me? All of a sudden, I'm now, like, out of the frying pan into the fire. Like, there's, there's something... Uh, well, that's quite a religious term, isn't it? Into the fire. <laughs> um, but there was something about, about that. Um, and I felt like I've had to keep talking about this, which was the LGBT community needs... To, uh, for me, being LGBT needs to be about flexing a bit more. It needs to be about accepting, because a lot of people say, "Well, you know, you can't be Muslim and gay because you're, like either you're Islamophobic or homophobic. Like you've got to be one or the other. Like can I just be neither? Um, because actually, if you really investigate the Quran and you investigate Islam, there are a couple of I'm not going to loopholes is the wrong word. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there are there are a couple of uh, there are a couple of uh, like unknowns. And you are talking about a script that was written 1400 years ago. Like I can barely remember what I wrote 14 days ago, but 1400 years ago, so things change. Society changes and actually society is what has changed how we we view people. And so here's my story, uh, an example, then I'll do the, then I'll recap and then we'll finish and then we'll have a drink. Um, So I was, um, I was out with my friend, Sam. Um, Sam, Sam's absolutely brilliant. Sam Reed, her name is. um, she said, "Let's catch up." I went, "Cool, let's catch up." And then we went to a bar in Soho. She's like, "I love going to gay bars; it'd be fun." I was like, "Yeah, cool, let's go Friday night." Um, and so we went, and we were just like catching up and having a really nice time. And uh, this this guy came up to me. I was like, "Oh, here we go." And uh, and he went, "Oh gosh, so uh, you know you're uh, where, 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 like, so what's your name?" And I was like, "Oh, um, uh, I'm Assad." He went and told me his name and then um, he said, uh, so where are you from? And I said, I'm from uh, Harrow, North London, how about you? He's like, no, but like, where are you from? I went, oh, if you must know, it's Hatch End. It's a small like village of Harrow. It's on the <laughs> overground zone six. Uh, he went, no, but where are you really from? I went, well, like London. He went, no, where are you really from? And I went, uh, well, my parents are Indian, if you must know, um, and he said, "Oh, so you must be Hindu," and I went, "No, I'm Muslim," and he went, "Oh, so do you support ISIS then?" I went, "Really weird chat-up line. This is a- <laughs> 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 really weird chat-up line." Um, and then I thought, "Gods." how can that exist in the, in the LGBT space that we're fighting so hard to create and keep open that I mentioned earlier? Um, how can that exist when we've protested and fought so hard to be tolerant and open that someone legitimately on a Friday night has asked me if I support ISIS in a gay bar? Like, you can't make that up. Um, so then I, I, wrote, I wrote about it in the Guardian because I thought that would be quite jokes. I hope he's read it, I don't know who he is. Um, <laughs> uh but but it is it's things like that where you and that's the point about the venn the venn diagram which is i think a lot of people um get get told well you're part of the lgbt community aren't you and actually you're not you're part you're so many other things but there are so many things about people it's so easy to put a label on them i think that for me um is is what it is about um what it is to be lgbt plus today it is um it is about that that presence being out there it is about um the the protest in the new forms um but ultimately it's about the progress that still needs to happen um because i think hopefully maybe in 20 or 30 years time we're not really talking about what does it mean to be lgbt today we're talking about something else and actually just being lgbt is is it's it doesn't doesn't mean anything it just it just is um so yeah that's that's my talk